almost Christmas time, which means that this is the time of the year when people tend to send the greatest amount of packages to one another. Whether you're shopping online and ordering things to give to other people or sending gifts to family or friends that are out of town, especially this year with the pandemic and not being able to see one another. The United States Postal Service, UPS, FedEx, they are all inundated with packages. And it's been a big news item that now in 2020, the United States Postal Service is not exactly the most reliable, that they're having some issues getting packages. I have also been ordering things and sending packages to people. I recently sent a pretty important package to a friend. I was watching the tracking number. I was watching where it was, seeing, you know, every time it it made its way a little bit closer. And I was so excited when I saw it had been delivered and I saw that someone had actually signed to receive the package. It was like, okay, yes, it was this big sigh of relief. And then I've been waiting for this other package that I ordered maybe three weeks ago. I should have gotten it right away because I paid for expedited shipping. And when I follow the tracking number online, it says in transit, arriving late. And it said that for over a week. It still hasn't come. I've been very, very impatient. I should probably go back and listen to the episode that I did on waiting and God being with us in the waiting. But as I've been waiting for this package to come, I've also been really thinking about what it's like to send something to someone, to want them to receive a message. And that led me to thinking about prayer. Because so often when I pray, and I have a feeling it might be like this for you too, it feels like we're just sending those messages out. Maybe we don't even have tracking numbers. We're just kind of sending them into the void wondering whether or not our prayers are actually heard by anyone, wondering whether or not God actually receives them. And when we're sitting waiting for a response, it can feel just like it did when I saw that tracking number, when I saw that message that said, your package will arrive later than expected, but it's on its way. That's what prayer can feel like. In transit, arriving late, when we're waiting to hear back from God, when we want our prayers to be answered. And so that's what we're going to talk about today. I'm Cecilia Ciccone, and Jesus loves you, this I know, because he listens to you. As I was thinking about this episode and about the reality that so often when we pray, we're not really sure whether or not anyone hears us, I actually thought about one of my roommates that I had when I was in college. My roommate Natalie and I, we were rooming together when we were living in Rome. We would share a lot. But so often, Natalie would start talking, and I would register that she was talking, but I'd be doing something on my laptop, and I wouldn't really hear what she was saying. And she might be talking for like two or three minutes before I would finally look up and look at her and say, I am so sorry. I don't think I was listening to you. Can you please start over? That happened pretty regularly, and every single time on her face, she was absolutely crushed because she was sharing a part of her heart. She was sharing a part of herself with me, and I couldn't even bother to actually pay attention to what she was saying. And it's really easy, I think, to project onto God that that's how how God is with us, that he's doing all of these other more important things. And although our voice might register, he doesn't actually listen to us. And I know that this isn't the first time I've said it on this podcast, but thanks be to God, God is not me. God is so much better than I am. We can imagine that as soon as we start talking, God puts down everything 
to listen to us. And I say imagine because that's not exactly what happens, right? He's, he's God. He can hold the entire world, listen to everyone at once. But that's really hard for us because then it's easy for us to think that our voice doesn't actually resonate with God, that God's just doing something on his laptop, kind of like, yeah, 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 okay, whatever you say. No, no, no. When God hears our voice, he rejoices. We are his beloved. All that he longs for is a relationship with us. And so the second we say his name, we say, good and gracious God, Jesus, Lord, Adonai, any of his names, he puts everything down to be with us, to be in that one-on-one relationship. That's why taking the Lord's name in vain is a sin. That's why it's in the commandments. Because when we say, oh my God, God drops everything to respond to us. So if we say, oh my God, I love kittens, that's very different from, oh my God, be with me right now. One reveals our relationship with God, the fact that we were meant to be with him. The other blasphemes his name and makes it only into an expression, takes away the reality that he is a person who desires to be with us. And Jesus showed that he desires to hear from us, that he desires to know exactly what's on our hearts and what's on our minds over and over again in the gospel. And so I'm going to point out three of my favorite examples of Jesus showing that he wants to be in this relationship with us, that he desires to hear from us and to know us. It really helps to dispel some of those ideas that what matters to us isn't important to God. That's not true at all. The idea that he's not actually listening to us, that we're just that white noise. The idea that Jesus actually wants us to come to him, to talk to him and be in relationship with him. So that's what we're going to talk about a little bit right now. The first story is the healing of Bartimaeus. And this one I'm going to read. It's from the Gospel of Mark. It says, Jesus and his disciples came to Jericho. As he and his disciples and a large crowd were leaving Jericho, Bartimaeus, son of Timaeus, a blind beggar, was sitting by the roadside. When he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to shout out and say, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Many sternly ordered him to be quiet, but he cried out even more loudly, Son of David, have mercy on me. Jesus stood still and said, Call him here. And they called the blind man, saying to him, Take heart, get up, Jesus is calling you. So throwing off his cloak, he sprang up and came to Jesus. Then Jesus said to him, What do you want me to do for you? The blind man said to him, My teacher, let me see again. Jesus said to him, Go, your faith has made you well. Immediately he regained his sight and followed him on his way. That's the story of the blind Bartimaeus. And I love this because there's several things. Number one, he was crying out to Jesus. And then when people tried to stop him, when people were like, Jesus doesn't want to hear from you. You're a blind beggar. You're not important. He cried out all the more. He believed in God's love for him. He believed that Jesus did care. He believed that Jesus was listening, even though he was told otherwise. And then he comes to Jesus and Jesus asks him the question that he asks to you and to me. What do you want me to do for you? 
And in that moment, Bartimaeus could have said anything. Bartimaeus could have said, I beg for food. You know, make me the richest man in the world. I want a wife. I want a family. But Bartimaeus, there was one thing, the honest desire of his heart. He said, my teacher, let me see. That's extremely, extremely vulnerable because that's actually what Bartimaeus wanted. That was actually the deepest pain that he experienced was the fact that he couldn't see. And that's what he brings to Jesus. That's what he puts on the table. And that's vulnerable because if Jesus says no, that means the deepest desire of Bartimaeus's heart that he wouldn't receive it. It's hard to ask for what we actually want. But what does he do when he presents that to Jesus? Jesus says, go, your faith has made you well. Because he was willing to be vulnerable and actually entrust that desire of his heart to Jesus, Jesus was able to answer his prayer. Another example is the example of a woman with a hemorrhage who she suffered for 12 years. This is a really interesting story because Jesus is actually on his way to do another miracle. He is on his way to heal Jairus's daughter who has died. So in the middle of this healing story, we have this story of the woman with the hemorrhage. Jairus has already gone to Jesus, said, come, my daughter's sick. And then this story of the woman with the hemorrhage, and then Jesus going to heal Jairus's daughter. So in the middle, Jesus is rushing to Jairus's house. All of a sudden, this woman grabs his clothes. And this was a really big deal because, yeah, she was a woman, but she was bleeding. So she was unclean. But she had this faith. She said, if I just touch his garments, I will get well. And she did. She touched his clothes and she was healed. But Jesus knew that she had touched him. He stopped and turned around and said, who touched my clothes? And his disciples are like, what are you talking about? And the woman is terrified because she knows that she has broken the law, that she, someone who is unclean, has touched the teacher, that she has snuck up behind him to touch him. And she's ashamed. And so she was afraid and she said, Lord, it was me. And she fell down at his feet. And I can only imagine that she was crying, that she laid out her heart in that moment and said, I've been suffering for 12 years. Nothing will heal me. I'm sorry. I just needed to touch you. Jesus doesn't rebuke her. Jesus doesn't get angry. Jesus says, daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace. I have shivers with that, right? Because so often with the parts of us that we don't want God to see, that we're ashamed of, that we feel like are unclean, it makes us afraid to actually go to Jesus. We kind of want to sneak in the back door to get that healing, to get that grace. We don't actually want to come to him face to face. But in this story, Jesus says, no, come to me. Let me see everything. More than just healing, I want you to know that I love you and that there is nothing that will stop that love. And the only way that you will know that I love you is if you let me talk to you. If you let me see those parts of you that you don't want anyone else to see. And we bring them to the light together. You let me touch them, heal them, and love you right there. Jesus really does love you. And lastly, I actually wasn't going to talk about this scripture, but I went to an art museum today and, and saw it so beautifully represented in a painting. And so that was totally the Holy Spirit. This is from the Gospel of St. Matthew. He says, Then people brought little children to Jesus for him to place his hands on them and pray for them. 
but the disciples rebuked them. But Jesus said, let the little children come to me and do not stop them, for the kingdom of heaven belongs to such as these. When he had placed his hands on them, he went on from there. It's easy to feel like we are too small or unimportant, and that's why we can't go to God. Or that we're too big, that we're too important to need to reach out to God, that we can take care of everything ourselves. But Jesus says that we have to become like children. And then he says, let the little children come to me. We are his beloved children, and he wants us to be able to come to him. And that happens first and foremost in prayer. These scripture passages remind us of something that seems too good to be true, but is actually the entire point of the gospel. We can ask ourselves, wait, is it true that the king of the universe, the creator of everything, actually wants to hear from me? That he actually cares about what I have to say? That seems impossible. It seems mind-blowing. But that's exactly the point. That's the miracle that God reveals in Jesus Christ, that yes, he does want to hear from you. And that what you have to say matters. One way that I can think to illustrate this, uh, I'm a millennial, so it's to do with texting. Have you ever been waiting for an important text? And you sit there and you wait. And when you're waiting for that text, the anxiety kind of builds the longer it goes. If the person has their read receipts on, it's even worse when you can see that, yes, they've actually opened your text, but they haven't responded yet. So you're sitting there and you're waiting. You know, they've seen it. You know, they've heard it. You're just waiting to see if they have anything to say, if they care at all. And then maybe you see those three dots pop up that they're texting back then they go away and then they come back again. And I hope as I'm saying this, the anxiety is building in you. I hope that this is a relatable situation because that's how God is all the time. At the end of every episode, I say Jesus loves you because of everything. And it's true that everything around us is a message from God shouting his love. And so it's like God is constantly sending us those messages. I love you. I love you. I love you. And he is just waiting to see whether or not we have received them, to see whether or not they have evoked a response in us. When we pray, when we say, God, I know you're there, that evokes that joy in his heart. Again, if you think that you get excited when someone finally responds to your text, how much more does God rejoice when he hears your voice in prayer? It really is mind-blowing, but he's the one who made your voice He's the one who made your heart. He's the one who made your mind. And he loves the sound of it. Remember, you are good. The fact that you exist shows that God loves you. And this is hard when our prayers don't always get answered. Because what's best for us is not just to have our material needs met, but to be in a relationship with God that lasts forever. We talked about this and we talked about prayer a little bit in the episode on waiting. That it would be easy for God to just wave a wand and give us whatever it is that we needed to give us food or healing or shelter. It's more difficult for us with our free will to come into a relationship with God. And that's ultimately his goal is to pull us into this relationship of love that lasts forever. Sometimes that means that he waits to give us the things that we quote unquote need or want. And that's because if we received them at that point, it would hurt our relationship with him. And that's really, really hard to grapple with. And I was 
praying about this and thinking about it. And I actually remembered a story of my granny. I love my granny. Uh, May she rest in peace. There was one Christmas, I was maybe 12 years old or so, and I needed a lot of new lacrosse equipment. And I was the goalie, so it was quite expensive to get that equipment. And I really wanted a lacrosse helmet. And my parents told me, you're not going to have one this Christmas. You're not going to have a lacrosse helmet. It's too expensive, but you can save up, but we want you to work for that helmet. My granny was absolutely devastated at this idea that I would not have something that I wanted. And so that Christmas, she gave me a check that covered the price of the helmet because my parents had told her, don't get it for her. We want her to have the experience of of buying it, of having the experience of really owning it. So my granny kind of found this back way in and just gave me the check so that I could buy it. She wanted me to have whatever it is that I wanted. And in that moment, I was so excited and I was so grateful. It was really gratifying. But my parents saw the long vision. They saw that they wanted me to become mature, responsible, that I needed to take care of things. That was something that they really instilled in me. And there's this question of, yes, I was happy and excited in that moment, but what would have actually been better for me? Was it better for me to get exactly what I wanted in the moment? Or was it better for me to learn responsibility, to grow into the adult and the person that God had made me to be? And it can be frustrating when our prayers aren't answered. I'm sure that Christmas, if I hadn't have gotten that check from my granny, I would have been furious. I would have said this Christmas is a waste. That's what it feels like when our prayers aren't answered. That God doesn't give us maybe not even just what we want, but what we need. But this comes back to the very purpose of prayer, which is not to just get what we want or to get even what we need in that very moment, but to be drawn into a relationship with God that will sustain us forever. If it was just to get what we wanted, that would be like writing a letter to Santa. We don't have a relationship with Santa. He just gives us what we want. That's not how it is with God. And as I said before, if receiving exactly what we ask for inhibits our relationship with God, he will not give us that thing. And that's something to be grateful for. Praise God that he doesn't give us everything that we ask for. That's the trust that we can have from God. That's the peace that comes with knowing that Jesus loves us and listens to us, that he really does rejoice to hear our voice, that he never ignores us. Because that means if he really does rejoice to hear our voice, if he really does deeply listen, and friends, he does, then that means that when we pray and ask for something, if we receive it, that means it really is what's best for us. And if we don't, then we can praise God for that too. Because that means praise God that I didn't try to get this thing for myself when it wasn't actually what was best. It's hard because we think that we know exactly what's best for ourselves. And it's humbling to admit that maybe we don't. But that's that trust. That's that becoming like children and running to Jesus as he welcomes us. That's the trust that we are called to have as his beloved children. And now if Jesus doesn't give us everything that we ask for, and we know that he wants to provide for us anyway, there is this question that I actually remember very distinctly asking when I was a senior in high school, which is why do we pray at all? The very basic question, and it's something that I've talked about several times already in this episode, 
is that the purpose of prayer is not just to receive things, but is to be in a relationship with God. The reality is, is that we do need things from God. We are not self-sufficient. We do rely on him. Maybe we could twist this and think that God is just conceited, that he likes to be acknowledged his presence. But that's not it. The thing is, is that if God just gave us exactly what we needed without us praying, we would not be in a relationship with him. We would not realize how much we depend on him. By needing to turn to him and ask for what we need, that lets us receive everything as a sign of his love. This past week, I read The Poisonwood Bible by Barbara Kingsolver. And um, wow, in this episode, I'm making quite a lot of references. But stick with me, because this was one of the best books I've read in a long time. It's about this family, the Price family, who goes to Congo. The father is a Baptist preacher. They go there as missionaries. They come with this very Western mindset that they are coming to save the Congolese people. It's a really rough uh, mindset that they have. After over a year of struggling, one of the daughters says something to the effect of, the people hate us here. They want us to die. And her friend said, what are you talking about? They are taking care of you. He said, when your chickens don't lay eggs, your neighbor puts her eggs under your chickens. People sneak things into your kitchen cabinets because they don't want your family to go hungry. And the daughter reflects on the fact that, yes, they knew that all of those things were happening, that food was appearing with no explanation, but that they just attributed it to divine providence, that they were just like, oh, God provided for us. God just waved that wand. And what's really unfortunate about that is that they thought that the people hated them when the people were in fact loving them and caring for them. And on the flip side, because the people were doing it silently, they lost the opportunity to increase trust with these missionaries. So neither of them was in relationship with the other because the material needs were just met without asking, without questioning. If the Price family would have been humble enough to go to their neighbors and ask for help, rather than seeing themselves as the savior, they would have increased trust with their neighbors. Possibly their neighbors would have been more open to hearing the message of God's love. Without the humility to ask and recognize our dependence, we don't have a relationship. Because what we need is not really when it comes down to it. It's not food or clothing, but it's God's love to bring us into eternity. That's really easy to say as I'm here with a full belly. I'm in my apartment. It's easy to say that these aren't really the things that I need. It's more difficult when we find ourselves in a real place of need. I know for me especially, when I find myself maybe in a real place of suffering, to say that what I really need is not healing, but God's loving relationship. To open myself up and saying, God, I trust that if healing is what's best for me, that is what you will give. And if it's not, I praise you for waiting. That's difficult. But friends, God hears that prayer. That prayer of trust is so incredibly precious to him. Jesus listens to us because he loves us. It's really that simple. This week's scripture is a long one, but I think it's worth it. It's the entire chapter 17 of the Gospel of John. And the reason why this is so important is because it is the prayer of Jesus. It's when he prays for us before he dies. And so this is Jesus expressing his relationship with the Father and asking for us to receive everything that we need. He says, After Jesus had spoken these words, he looked up to heaven and said, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your Son so that the Son may glorify you, 
since you have given him authority over all people, to give eternal life to all whom you have given him. And this is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. I glorified you on earth by finishing the work that you gave me to do. So now, Father, glorify me in your own presence with the glory that I had in your presence before the world existed. I have made your name known to those whom you gave me from the world. They were yours, and you gave them to me, and they have kept your word. Now they know that everything you have given me is from you. For the words that you gave to me, I have given to them, and they have received them, and know in truth that I came from you. And they have believed that you sent me. I am asking on their behalf. I am not asking on behalf of the world, but on behalf of those whom you gave me, because they are yours. All mine are yours, and yours are mine, and I have been glorified in them. And now I am no longer in the world, but they are in the world, and I am coming to you. Holy Father, protect them in your name that you have given me, so that they may be one as we are one. While I was with them, I protected them in your name that you have given me. I guarded them, and not one of them was lost, except the one destined to be lost, so that the scripture might be fulfilled. But now I am coming to you, and I speak these things in the world, so that they may have my joy, which may be made complete in themselves. I have given them your word, and the world has hated them, because they do not belong to the world, just as I do not belong to the world. I am not asking you to take them out of the world, but I ask you to protect them from the evil one. They do not belong to the world, just as I do not belong to the world. Sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. As you have sent me into the world, so I have sent them into the world. And for their sakes, I sanctify myself, so that they also may be sanctified in truth. I ask not only on behalf of these, but also on behalf of those who will believe in me through their word, that they may all be one. As you, Father, are in me and I am in you, may they also be in us, so that the world may believe that you have sent me. The glory that you have given me, I have given them, so that they may be one as we are one. I in them and you in me, that they may become completely one so that the world may know that you have sent me and have loved them even as you have loved me. Father, I desire that those also whom you have given me may be with me where I am to see my glory, which you have given me because you loved me before the foundation of the world. Righteous Father, the world does not know you, but I know you, and these know that you have sent me. I made your name known to them, and I will make it known, so that the love with which you have loved me may be in them, and I in them. This is the Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. This week's Saint of the Week is Saint Monica. Saint Monica was the mother of Saint Augustine, doctor of the church. He was a bishop, and he also wrote the Confessions of Saint Augustine. Her son was never baptized as a child, 
And St. Augustine was definitely not always a saint. He had quite a crazy life. He had a child out of wedlock, and he got involved in all sorts of weird philosophies as he was trying to figure out exactly what was true. The entire time St. Monica was praying for him, her heart broke every time she saw her son do something that she knew was not good for him. But she kept praying. She kept turning to God. She didn't force her son to do anything in particular. Eventually, St. Augustine, well, just Augustine, found himself in front of St. Ambrose, where they would debate different topics of the faith. St. Ambrose convinced St. Augustine that Christianity was true, and he baptized him. After being baptized, St. Augustine and St. Monica were on their way back to Africa, where they were from, when they stopped just outside of Rome. St. Monica became sick and she died, and St. Augustine was grieving and was so, so sad as he watched his mother die. And she said that every reason that she had for living to help her son get to heaven, that was her, that was her reason for existing, that she could go in peace because she knew that he would be with her in heaven. This is a reminder to always pray, to trust in God, especially for our loved ones, and to focus our prayers on growing closer to him. St. Monica, pray for us. This week's Love Tap is also a really exciting announcement for the podcast. We are entering a new era. So someone messaged me this past week who is deaf and said that they would really be interested in being able to access the podcast. And I was a little bit ashamed that I hadn't thought of it before. So this is the very first episode of Jesus Loves You, This I Know, that will also have a transcript available. I'm working on transcribing the first seven episodes, so they will be coming shortly. But this was a fantastic reminder that Jesus loves us and that his love is accessible to absolutely everyone. And I have been very humbled to be able to participate in his his mission of, of spreading that love and making it available for everyone. So if you or someone that you know would be interested in the transcript of the podcast, that is now available in the show notes. Let's pray. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Good and gracious God, thank you for loving us. Thank you for rejoicing at the sound of our voice. It can be difficult when we pray, Lord, to really believe that you are receiving the words that we speak, to really trust that you know what is on our hearts. But you, Lord, know us better than we know ourselves. As we live through this life, Lord, help us to turn always to you. Help us to turn to you in our need and in our abundance, in our joys and in our sorrows. Lord, we pray especially for our friends and family who struggle to pray who struggle in their relationship with you. Lord, we know that we do not know how to pray as we ought, but we praise and thank you for knowing our hearts. We open them to you, we entrust them to you always, and we thank you for hearing our prayer. Amen. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. I am Cecilia Ciccone, and this has been Jesus Loves You, This I Know, a podcast on God's love. It is always a joy to connect with you on social media, where you can find me at CEC Squared. Also, if you feel moved to help provide some financial support for the podcast, I would be most grateful. You can send contributions by Venmo to me at CEC underscore Squared, and that'll be in the show notes too. 
All right, that's it for this episode. Until next time, we'll be united in prayer. And remember, Jesus loves you, this I know, because, well, because of everything.